The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. As Ken said, our theme for Advent this year is good news of great joy. And it comes from these words from Luke 2. That the angel spoke to the shepherds announcing the gospel to them and to the world. And just a comment about Advent. Uh, Advent is this season in the church calendar that, that many Christians around the world set aside as a time for worship and reflection and meditation on the coming of Christ, uh, looking into the prophecies that foretold the coming of Christ and then looking into the, to the New Testament for the the events of his coming and the the promises of the gospel that are ours by his coming. So so we're following with the the Advent tradition that uh, each of the four Sundays leading up to Christmas we'll we'll celebrate Advent, we'll light a candle. So those are the four Sundays and in each of those Sundays we'll have a sermon that is that is unfolding this uh, this news that the shepherds announced. Uh, fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So, so that's what we're going to do in Advent. Uh, the four candles will be lit, and then the last candle is lit on Christmas Eve. And I hope you're planning on coming. If you didn't think about it until now, plan to come and join us and worship on Christmas Eve uh, at 5 and at, at 7 p.m. Christmas Eve evening. And we'll sing carols and read scriptures and it will be sweet. You know, at our house, I have to say, there, there are Advent things that we do. I mean, we were out of town uh, for Thanksgiving, so it hasn't started yet. But this afternoon, I, I know our granddaughter's coming over and she already asked to set up the, the nativity. We have this massive nativity with camels and sheep and, and shepherds and wise men. I mean, it's, it's massive. And water boys and all kinds of stuff. And uh, so we, we, it doesn't fit anymore, but we're going to pull it all out. And uh, it's a great way to... To bring the reality of Christmas to our grandchildren, even as we gave, we did this with our children. And you know, the other thing about our house is the Christmas music starts. I mean, I'm late. Usually Thanksgiving, you know, the Friday after Thanksgiving, I'm on it. Because there's only like four and a half weeks that you can play Christmas music. So I'm just on it. And it's just playing and haven't started yet, but I will get on that. Just setting aside Advent as a time of worship and reflection and adoration and savoring all that God promises to be for us in Christ. So that's the preaching series. Um, I hope you have taken home uh, this devotional, Good News of Great Joy, written by Pastor John. There's some out in the commons if you haven't taken them. Just a comment about this. Uh, we, we announced it as for one per family and also for middle schoolers on up. Uh, so it, it's fitting there. It's fitting for 
I want to say it's fitting for adults. It's not fitting for small children. It's, here's how I think of it is, it's to warm my heart to bless small children with the reality of Christmas. So think about that if you're a parent. And, um, and there, there are Advent resources uh, to, to um, help Christmas come alive for your, your younger children in the bookstore that you can take advantage of. But please, I hope you're, you, you're, you've picked this up and then you'll, you'll, you'll do the devotional uh, day by day during Advent with a prayer that God would do the one thing that's needful in your heart. So let me see, anything else? Oh, one thought is, you know, if you're a parent or if you're children who are here, I see a couple. Uh, one easy, simple memory verse would be to memorize this gospel proclamation from Luke 2 that the angels speak. It's gold. It is just gold, gospel gold. So uh, I, I thought to say, I don't know if I can say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I thought to say, you know, if you memorize it and you come up and tell me, I'll give you a lifesaver and it'll be wrapped in plastic and nobody will have to worry about anything. But can I say that? Is that, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I can. Yeah, the dental. Anyway, um, I'll, I'll aim to have a bunch of lifesavers up here and uh, children who memorize that. Just come up and, and say Luke 2, 10 and 11 to me and I'll give you a lifesaver. Let me pray. Almighty God and Father, the gospel words of the angel are balm to our souls, good news of great joy. This Advent season, beginning this day, we ask that we might see you more clearly and treasure you more dearly through your Son, Christ, our Savior. One thing is needful this season, and it, it's not more activity, nor decorations, nor more shopping, nor more presents, though none of those are wrong in and of themselves, but they're wrong if they displace you in our affections. We need you. So this Advent season, we ask on behalf of ourselves and all of our relations and friends, that you would grant the power of your spirit that we might know you more, that we might know the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and be filled with all the fullness of God this Advent season. I pray these things for our joy, for our peace, and for the joy of the world and the peace of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it was a dark night outside the village of Bethlehem and the shepherds were on the hillsides quieting their sheep for the night and the stillness of the night was suddenly stabbed with the blinding light of the angel of the Lord. Verse 9, Luke 2. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. The shepherds were terrified. And can, can you blame them? Fear of harm, fear of the unknown, fear of punishment, fear of guilt, fear of judgment, fear of death, fear of God. And I find it so 
kind and so merciful, so gracious, that the first words, it's almost like the preface to the news, the preface to the gospel are, are these two words, fear not. It's a command. It's not the news. Fear not. Fear not. It's a beautiful thing. Fear not. So, as I said, we're going we're gonna to spend the four weeks of Advent, Advent unpacking these verses. And, and uh, I'm just going to meditate on fear not this morning. Fear not. This command that introduces the good news. Why do, why, why do you think the angel begins the announcement of the good news with fear not? Four reasons stand out from the text. Number one, fear not because the news the angel brings is good and is cause for joy. You know, we, we, we're pretty familiar with bad news and yet we know good news. You know, good news is, is uh, we're going to have a baby or we're, we just got engaged or I'm feeling better now or I got the job. And this news is better than the good news that we're accustomed to. This news is the best. This is the happy news from God. It's great joy, fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore announced in the coming of Christ. And initially, perhaps the shepherds feared that the angel's presence meant bad news. But it's good news. The angel just puts them at ease right away. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy. Second reason, fear not, because the news is for you. The news is for all people. You know, this has stood out for me for quite some time. That, that if, if you're looking at Luke 2, 10 and 11, it's the yous that stand out to me. It feels like if, if this was just an announcement of good news and it didn't attach to me, for instance, uh, Good news of great joy. Jesus is coming into the world to save everybody but you. It w- would not land on me as good news. But it's these yous. I bring you good news of great joy. For unto you, unto you is born this day in the city of David. You know, th- this news of the birth of the Savior is for you. It's for all people. It's for people, you know, think about it. If if there was a rescue that was coming and it it, it was a, let's say, a a lifeboat for all the first-class passengers. Hey, got good news. All the first-class passengers can get in the boat. And I'm a, you know, six decks below kind of shepherd-class person. It would not be good news for me. But here, just the, the glory of the gospel is for unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I just find that so precious, the, this call of the gospel, this offer, this welcome of the gospel for you and me and for all people. Poor shepherds and rich kings, people great and small, the lowly and the mighty, for all nations, all peoples. It's a beautiful thing. So that's another reason not to fear. 
Moving into the next verse, fear not because the news is of a Savior. You know, it, <laughs> it wouldn't be surprising if the shepherds assumed that this angel coming is an angel of judgment. The angel of death, my time has come, I'm going to go stand before God. If that were the case, the angel would not have prefaced it with fear not. Fear not. Fear not. This is, this is not judgment. This is salvation. The, there is a time coming at the second coming, at the second advent, when people will fear Jesus is coming. And this is, this is a Revelation 6, when it, it makes clear that, that people will be so fearful. I'll, I'll read it. Revelation 6. All peoples will be fearful of his coming. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne. And from the wrath of the Lamb. That day is coming, but the first advent, the first coming, is not that day. In fact, fear not because this Savior who's born into the world in Bethlehem is to save you from that day, save you from that wrath. to save you from his second coming when he comes with the wrath of God in judgment. That's why he's called the Savior. So, the fear not here is the news that the Savior sent by God has come to save you and me from the wrath of God. The fear not is the news that the Savior has come like, like a scapegoat to take all our sins upon himself and bear our punishment for us that we might be forgiven and reconciled to God and brought near to him forever. Fear not. That's the fear not. The fear not is that this news of the love of God for us in sending this Savior dissolves all our fears of God. First John says, perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment. We don't fear God as gospel people, as people who have been saved by this Savior because this Savior has removed the wrath of God from us in love. Fear not. So the fourth reason that I see here, very simply, that the angel begins with the command, fear not, is because the news of the coming of Christ, uh, the, the news is the, the news of the coming of Christ the Lord. The Christ is coming. The Messiah is coming. The King is coming to reign. And, and I just pushed back and thought about this. I thought, now, 
if, if, if this were the news of an evil king with divine power, you had better fear. Think about it. I, I thought, well, we've seen evil rulers and evil kings, haven't we? I, I went back to the 20th century because the, the stories are written there. I, I, I didn't go to current wicked leaders. But just think about it. Contrast these evil rulers with the coming of the Christ, the Messiah, Christ the Lord, the King. Idi Amin reigned in Uganda for nine years and exported all, almost all the Asians in the country and massacred an estimated 300,000 of his own people in nine years. Pol Pot, in four years, 1975 to 1979, relocated, educated professionals and intellectuals to farms and sentenced others to special centers where they were tortured and killed. And in his short four-year reign, an estimated two million people were executed, worked, or starved to death. Mao Zedong reigned the People's Republic of China from 1949 to 1976, 27 years, and it is estimated that under his reign, as many as 40 million people were killed by starvation, forced labor, or execution. And Adolf Hitler reigned 13 years from 1933 to 1946 and conquered most European countries and large portions of North Africa. He was unquestionably a racist devising a plan to eliminate Jews and Slavics and gypsies. Not only that, political opponents by means of concentration and death camps, and it is estimated that as many as 11 million people were deliberately killed under Hitler's regime, including 6 million Jews. Fear not. Fear not. Christ the Lord is coming. Fear not. Just, does that not land on you? Christ the Messiah is coming. And he is not a wicked king. He is not a wicked Lord. He has been given all authority in heaven and on earth and he will reign forever and his, his reign will be just and righteous and Peace will reign. Listen, this is Isaiah 9. It's so familiar at this time of year, but just key in on his reign and his peace. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, 
and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Fear not, Christ the Lord is coming to reign in righteousness and justice and all authority in heaven and on earth, sovereign power, and he will reign with goodness and peace from this time forth forever. Fear not. So now, that's why the news is prefaced with the command, fear not. It's good news of great joy. It's news offered to all people, to you. It's, it's news of the coming Savior to save the people of God from their sins, and it's news of a Messiah, the Christ, the Lord, coming to reign. So now, this news, this good news this gospel, you know, gospel, same word as good news. This gospel is, is, is news that our fearful world needs to hear. And, and it's news that we need to believe. I mean, do you ever have those times when you think, like, in, in your Christian life, in your Christian growth, in your Christian maturity, it's like, it's not that I need new information about God. I need to believe what I know and live accordingly. I need to believe it. We are a fearful people. We, we, we all, I feel like the whole planet, we all are fearful people. Human beings are fearful people. One of the things that was widely exposed in the last two years is, is that we're fearful people. You know, the confluence of the, the, the global fears of, of COVID-19 and, and then the, the United States uh, issues of racial injustice and, and unrest, social unrest and political polarization and fear of government action or fear of government inaction or fear of financial doom and, and fears magnified by isolation and, and fears resulting from the relational damage done uh, in, in, in the polarization where, where, where family members aren't talking to each other anymore. Just fears, fears, fears. Like it or not, human existence is a fearful existence and it's only more <clears throat> exaggerated in these last couple years. There's no exceptions to it. No child needs to be taught to be afraid. And no adult can fully escape Fear. I was, my wife and I were riding with, with her brother yesterday and he was talking about his, his fitness club. He, he, he owns a fitness club and he said, he talks to people, why are they coming in? He said, he said, it's very frequent that people say, I work out to ease my anxiety. 
That was very interesting. I didn't ask him. I didn't tell him what I was preaching on. But he just volunteered that. The, the list of human fears seems endless. I, I got some help from Ed Welsh's book, Running Scared. We, we, we have a collection of fears within us, don't we? Fears for our safety. Fears about the safety of those we love. Fear of death. Fears about how we will die. Will it be a debilitating disease or cancer or Alzheimer's? Fears about what happens after death, going before God. Will our children even remember us? Will our friends, family? Fears about the meaningless, the meaning of life. Fears about being unloved or alone or lonely. Fears about loving someone, loving others, and then the probability of being hurt by them. Fears about what you might lose. Your closest loved ones, your friends, your, your figure, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your hair, <laughs> uh, your youth, your mind. I heard an interview with Stephen King, you know, the horror writer, and he said, what are you most afraid of? He said, losing my mind. Losing your money, losing your job, losing your spouse, losing your health, losing your hobbies, losing your purpose. Fears of perhaps losing your faith. Anytime you love or want something deeply, you'll notice fear and anxieties because you might not get them or the thing that you love. And anytime you can't control the fate of those things that you love, you will notice fears and anxieties because you might lose them. You can't keep them. So add to that list of fears, fears of injustice, fears of uh, the terror of traumas, the the irrational phobias. Add to that the, the anxieties of stress or the fears of superstitions and more. And add to that the ultimate fear of almighty God. Human existence is, is fearful. In that book, Running Scared by Ed Welsh, he, he lists Six Frightful Realizations. I'll just list them for you. (laughs) Number one, you are in danger. One Bethlehem member said to me uh, early this year, he said, my wife and I were pretty convinced that we were going to die in 2020 because of COVID. We were pretty sure. And now the 
The Omicron variant is on the loose. Number two, you are vulnerable. You're vulnerable physically. You're surrounded by physical dangers all the time. You, you may have been walking down the street of Waukesha, Wisconsin. You're vulnerable physically. Everything from dog bites to horrific tragedies like the bridge falling down. You're vulnerable to accidents. You're vulnerable to social unrest. One poll said 57% of people are afraid of widespread social unrest. You're vulnerable psychologically. You could lose your reputation. You could lose the respect of other people. You could lose the love of friends or family members. You could lose your memory. We're vulnerable. That was number two. Number three, you might not get what you want or need. You know, think of it, you know, some of the times you really want something so badly is when you've been wronged. And the odds are, in this life, you won't get the vindication that you desire. Think about it. The, the conviction of the drunk driver who killed your friend doesn't satisfy you. The autopsy doesn't make you feel better. You'll likely not get that perfect politician to vote for and put into office. One recent poll, the same recent poll I'm drawing from, it was a poll from October. 80% of people are afraid of corrupt political officials. A little poll of Americans. Number four, you might lose what you value, love, and trust. You might lose it. Same poll, 60% of people are afraid of the deaths of people that they love. 55% of people are afraid of financial collapse. It's number four, you might lose what you love, what you value. Number five, you will die. Reading from Ed Welsh, much of our anxiety over death stems from the way we might die. How many times have you heard people say that they want to die suddenly in their sleep from a heart attack uh, while they're still otherwise healthy? How many of us envy those who die peacefully without pain and surrounded by family and friends? We tremble at the thought of a long-term debilitating disease. It's number five, you will die. And number six is you will face God. And what will you have to say to him to answer for your life? Human existence is a, is a fearful existence. And, and the more we pull that toward us, the more awake we will be to eternal realities. The more we deny it and push it away, the more ignorant and deceived we will be. Fear not. 
such a good command from the angels. Fear not. Right before the announcement of the news of Christ our Savior coming to be born, God does not want his people to be afraid. He does not want us overcome with fear. I didn't look it up myself. One of the commentaries said over, there are th- over 300 places in the Bible where God says, fear not, fret not, do not be afraid. Over 300. I get it. I, I love, you've heard me say this before, I love the redundancies of the Bible. God does not want us to be afraid. Fear not God. In his love, God sent his son as your savior to remove God's wrath from you, forgive you all of your sins, clothe you with his righteousness, reconcile yourself, reconcile you to God himself. He does not want you to fear him. He wants you to trust him through Christ Jesus and and receive his love and let that love cast out your fear of him. He loves you. You need not be afraid of him. Fear not death. Christ has freed us from slavery to the fear of death. How? By his own death for us, bearing our sin for us, rising from the dead such that we need not fear death at all. Death, the sting of death is the punishment of sin. He has borne our sins. There's no punishment left for us. What awaits us is hope of eternal life. So fear not death. Uh, Hebrews 2.14, I'm going to read it. It says it so clearly. He himself, Jesus, took on flesh that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Get it? He set us free from lifelong slavery by his death in reconciling us to God through his his death and resurrection, our forgiveness and reconciliation. Fear not death. Fear not danger or calamity. Now I go to some of my go-to verses. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flame shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. Fear not danger or calamity. Fear not loneliness. Fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not loneliness. Fear not, I am with you always to the end of the age. Fear not your helplessness and your inability to control things that you so wish you could control. But you can't, because you're not God. But God is God. 
The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And fear not the losses. The day is coming when Christ returns and gathers his blood-bought people to himself and, and we will live forever with him and he will be in our midst and he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain. Fear not the losses. Fear not the illness. If the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God eternal in the heavens. <laughs> we, the, this imperishable body, excuse me, this perishable body will put on immortality. This is the promise of the gospel. We're going to get new bodies. Fear not the illnesses. There's healing that awaits us and perfect bodies, sinless bodies, redeemed bodies. And fear not getting what you think you need, what you want, because your heavenly Father knows what you need. He knows what you want, and he will take care of you. He takes care of birds and flowers. He'll surely take care of you, oh, you of little faith. And lastly, fear not Bethlehem. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray for grace this Advent season that we might believe the news, that we would believe the gospel, that we believe all that you promise to be for us in Christ Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, and that you'd fill us with, with joy and peace in believing. So make it so for the glory of your name. Meet us in this Advent season of worship. Draw us close. May we abide in you. May we grow in grace and knowledge of you. And then I pray, it, it dawns on me that fearful people are not loving people. Fearful people are self-absorbed people. So I pray that as you free us from our fears, as we worship you, that you'd turn us outward in a fearless love for other people, that we would love others in new and glorious ways because you are our God and we are your people and we fear not. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720-13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, 
spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.